Welcome to Hope for Life, a broadcast ministry of the First Baptist Church of Ferndale, Washington, bringing you hope for life through the teaching of God's Word. Today, Pastor Lunsford is continuing his sermon series in the book of Hebrews. If you would like to follow along, you can open your Bible to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. we come to Hebrews 11 today, we're going to find out that God tests his children. Hebrews 11:17. God gives us tests and they are always practical. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said... In Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which also he received him in a figurative sense. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, God tests his children. God does not test us for sport. God does not test us because he's mad. God does not test us accidentally. What is his reason for testing us? Well, if you would turn back to Genesis 22, we will find the account, the long version of Hebrews 11, if you will, of that little passage we read. Here in Hebrews, or excuse me, in Genesis 22, verse 1, it says this, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and he said to him Abraham Abraham and he gave him a test but if we want to start at the end of this test and say why did God test Abraham look at verse 12 and God said do not lay your hand on the lad or anything or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. If we ask the question, why does God test us? It's the same reason that God tested Abraham. God wanted to know if Abraham was fully committed. And perhaps even better stated, God wanted Abraham to make up his mind and decide to be fully committed. There's an old joke about a fisherman who used dynamite to make fishing a little easier. You know, toss a little stick of dynamite in the water, boom, the fish just float up to the surface, you scoop them up. And the game warden, of course, didn't like that. That's not right. So the game warden got in his boat to go out when he saw this man going out. He's going to go out there and talk to him, keep an eye on him and Got his boat right alongside the other boat, and he says to the guy, Hey, I hear you've been fishing with dynamite, and that ain't right. And he's going on and on. The fisherman lights a stick of dynamite and tosses it to him. He says, You going to fish or talk? <laughs> well, very plainly put, God wants to know whether you're going to fish or talk. Whether you are going to talk about being a Christian, or whether you are going to demonstrate full commitment to God in your daily life. Now, 
it's fairly obvious from the life of Abraham that God didn't give this huge test to him until later in his walk with God. I mean, to be asked to sacrifice your son, what a huge, huge request. But that wasn't the very first thing God asked. So don't, don't despair if you see yourself as younger on the Christianity scale and afraid that God will test you. No, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, God will not test you beyond what you are able to bear. But make no mistake, God wants us to be fully committed to him. He wants to know if we're just talking or if we're really committed. Think about the, the disciples who became the apostles. In Mark 1.17, Jesus is walking along the seashore and he says, Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And what did they do? Scripture says they immediately left their nets and followed him. That's a very simple illustration of commitment. Not a, not a simple thing to do, but they, they dropped what they were doing and followed him. There are many other times that we read about in the Gospels when people came to Jesus saying, Hey, Jesus, I want to be your follower. And he would tell them something to do, and all of them revolved around full commitment. And there were times when those people, as Scripture says, went away sad. Because God had asked them to make a sacrifice, and they were not willing to do it. The standard for our commitment is found in Romans 12.1, which says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, what? Body, a living sacrifice. Now, I've got, I'm going to say something really profound here. Did you know you can't do anything without your body? Shirley McLean, notwithstanding, you and your body, you are one in, on this planet. And so when God says, present your body to him, he's really saying, give me your whole life. See, if he'd said, give me your soul, you might have been tempted like some folks in the time of the apostles to say, well... You know, our body is just this old evil thing. It doesn't matter. What matters is our mind. So as long as we think good things and do good things with our mind, we can do whatever we want with our body. And they, it's called dualism. They separated their mind or their soul from their body. God says, no, no, no. Give me your body. Give me your whole person. That's God's standard of commitment. And what he is going to do from time to time is bring a test your way to clarify where your commitment level is. When we think about stewardship, stewardship is a series of tests of your commitment. We passed the offering plate by this morning. By the way, that blessed me greatly to see our teenagers getting their wallets out. That's the way it ought to be. If we have, we ought to give some. Scripture says we ought to, excuse me, we ought to consider how God's blessed us and we ought to give from that. That's a test. The offering plate goes by and you look at it, the offering bag. And you are forced to come face to face with how much do you trust God in the area of your finances. Somebody will come along and say, man, we need more workers in Awana. Right away you have a decision to make. Where's your commitment level? Now, I know that not every single person in the church should work in Awana. But every time an opportunity for service 
comes forward, you have to stop and consider, why am I going to do this or not do this? Am I really too busy? Or is it that I won't sacrifice my time for this? God gives us tests of commitment. Sometimes those tests of commitment are very large. Sometimes we are very attached to a person that we should not be attached to. And God says, this isn't right. You need to give this up. And we have to come face to face with whether or not we are going to be fully committed to God. God tests us to see where our commitment level is. Now let's read about how he tested Abraham. Genesis 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, Here I am. He said, Now take your son, your only son. Now if you're any kind of a Bible scholar at all, you know what? This wasn't his only son. <laughs> he had Ishmael. But... The best rendering, perhaps, of this word and the one in the New Testament would be, take your unique son. In fact, Hebrews makes mention of it. This is the son of promise. And we're going to come back to that in just a minute. Now, take your unique son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. How, does God, how did God test Abraham and how does God test us? God asked Abraham to make a sacrifice that would require miraculous intervention. It's, it's kind of an important statement. I, I would almost hope that you would write that down and meditate on it. God asked Abraham to make a sacrifice that would require miraculous intervention. Isaac is the son of promise. Abraham knew that. There's no getting around that. And God comes along and says, sacrifice him. God, have you forgotten something? You know, we read the scripture about giving. And God says, you know, everybody should participate. And we look at our finances and we say, God... Have you forgotten something? Or we look at the scripture about going. Or we look, at, we look at the idea of letting one of our children go halfway around the world to some third world country to share the gospel. And we're going, oh God. God asked Abraham to make a sacrifice that would require miraculous intervention. Let's follow on to Genesis 22.3. God asked him to do this, and so Abraham rose early in the morning. You know, what's the significance of that? It, it means Abraham got right after it. He didn't wait. You know, yesterday morning, lay in bed. So we get up, nah, let's just lay here longer. It's cold outside, you know. We don't want to get up and do any work. God says, Abraham, you got something tough to do. So Abraham got up early and got after it. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, he split the wood for the burnt offering. He arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey 
the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Now, God hadn't told Abraham what he's going to do. He didn't say, now, Abraham, you're going to kill him and I'm going to resurrect him. He didn't say that. He didn't say, Abraham, you're going to just about kill him and I'm going to stop you, you know, on and on as a story. No, he just said, you go sacrifice him. And so Abraham says, we're going to go worship and then we're going to come back. Man, now that's where Abraham's faith was right there. Abraham's faith saying, I don't know how this is going to work, but God told me to do this, so I'm going to do it. If you flip back to Hebrews 11, it's put this way, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So by God's uh, divine uh, authorization here, the writer of Hebrews comments on Genesis 22, and he says, look, Abraham looked at it and said, you know what, God can raise him up from the dead. And he says, really, he received him back. It's like he died and was resurrected. It's a figure. Uh, it's a parable is literally the word that's there. And that, of course, is, a, is a, what we call a, a type of Christ. Isaac was sacrificed and came back from the dead. God tests us in ways that require us to trust in his miracle-working power to intervene on our behalf. In John 6, we read this. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming for him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Jesus says, hey, Philip, we've got to feed 5,000 men plus all their wives and children. What are we going to get bread for them? And then he's thinking, hmm, let's see how well Philip's been paying attention in class. And of course, Philip said, Philip hadn't been paying that good of attention, neither had the other disciples. When I was a youth pastor, I planned a ministry trip that was fairly expensive. And uh, I asked people if they could to help support the kids going on this trip. And uh, a businessman in the church said, come over to my business and let's talk about this scholarship thing. He had two kids himself going. And he, we talked about the trip and what we were doing and what we're trying to do. And he said, you just tell me what you need. And I said, you know, I, was, I was very young and naive. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, when you know how much you need, you just tell me what you need. And I thought, cool. <laughs> so I went back to him at a certain time and I said, here's what I need. And he wrote me a check. And I thought, great, here's a, here's a well-off Christian businessman who's supporting the Lord's work. Sometime, I don't know how long it was down the road, but sometime later we had opportunity to talk about this, and he said, you know, I didn't know where I was going to get the money. He said, I figured I'd just have to go over to the banker and ask him to loan me some more money. And I never did hear where he got, you know, he never did tell me whether he had surplus or whatever, but 
But here's a guy who committed to give a large sum of money, an unknown sum of money. I mean, he told me, just tell me how much you need. How dangerous is that? <laughs> and he, he didn't know where it was coming from. He made a decision to give based on the fact that he believed God would intervene in his circumstances. Now that's faith. That's given by faith. Wow. When you get your paycheck and you sit down and pay your bills, hopefully at the top of that list you say, how much should I give to the Lord? And if you consider how much you're going to give, and if it's a generous amount or what we, Scripture would call a sacrificial amount, you might be saying, boy, I could sure use that money to pay this or that or that or that. And you know that's true. But when you give that amount... You're saying, God, you've got to show up here, man, or I'm in trouble. Now, I, I, I don't want to paint such a picture that I, that I tell you that I expect you to be foolish with the money God gives you. I've certainly heard of people who just gave, you know, made no consideration for, their, for how God had blessed them. But I don't think we err on the side of generosity too often. Am I wrong there? <laughs> Is there too many of God's people giving away so much money that they're going into bankruptcy from their giving? I don't think so. Or even more so when it comes to serving. Somebody comes around and says, hey, we think you'd make a good Sunday school teacher. <laughs> no way! Are you kidding? There's a huge issue of faith involved in saying yes. Now, I realize not everybody's gifted to teach. I know that. But are you even willing to say, I'll give it a try if somebody will show me how to do it? Or do you believe in your own resources so firmly that you say, there is no way this could ever happen? God says, you need to take a step of faith that requires me to intervene. That's the whole miracle of stewardship. And frankly, that's what makes the Christian life fun. You say, okay, I'm going to give. You think, oh boy. But then you get to watch on the other end and say, man, I wonder how God's going to take care of this. And he does. That's the blessing, that's the excitement, that's the challenge. That's what the verse means when it says, the just shall live by faith, not by sight. Let me put some questions to you this way. Does your giving require God to intervene in your finances or do you only give what you can afford to give according to your ability to provide? Do you only agree to serve the Lord in the church when you have time to spare and all the ability needed to do the job or do you accept jobs knowing that God will have to join you or else failure is imminent? Abraham said, man, if God doesn't show up, this whole thing's going right in the tank. And so he said, I believe God could do something miraculous, and he moved ahead on that basis. What was the result of God's testing of Abraham? Genesis 22:12. 12. Um, in fact, let's start at verse 10. You know, this is the, the exciting part that we like to portray to the kids when we tell this story that Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son 
I mean, he's just right there. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. The first thing, the first result, well, in fact, the first result is this. God was satisfied. God looked and said, all right, Abraham, you passed the test. God is not a mean father in heaven who is impossible to, to, to please. God is not a tyrant boss who never sees your work as good enough. God wants you to pass the test. He wants to say, well done. And his tests are passable. Two of our children are in college right now, and it's so fun to hear them say, I got good grades. How do you suppose God feels in heaven when you pass a test? You know, my son's on the dean's list at Western Baptist College. You know, I like to kid him that he's getting close to my grade point. Yeah, he's his, my grade point. He's seeing it in the, in the, in the mirror, you know. But I, I take joy in that. What do you think God does in heaven when you pass a test? He's happy. He's excited. He's joyful. God will test you. God will help you succeed. And when the test is over, God will be happy with you. But that's not all. Not only was God satisfied, but Abraham was blessed. And the first part of his blessing is the miraculous provision of his need. He looked around, boom, there's a ram caught in the thicket. There's the sacrifice. Can you imagine when they came down the hill? You know, in fact, on the way up, Isaac said to him, uh, Dad, we've got the wood and the fire. Where's the animal for the sacrifice? If he was talking about, what do you suppose the servants were doing back, who were standing by the baggage and the donkey? They're thinking, boy, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. They're going up there to worship. they got no animal. And then they come back, and Isaac goes, man, you won't believe what happened. He tied me up and put me on there. He's going to pull the knife up. And, and then God went, stop. And we looked over, and there was a ram. Can you imagine that? Do you know what's wrong with most Christians' lives? Is they won't get out on the edge with God and get the excitement that they're after. Man, I can't imagine anything more exciting than living for the Lord. You know, people have dull lives, but it's not because of God. Now, it's a very fine line from excitement to terrifying. And there's going to be some terror my first assignment as a youth pastor was teaching junior high boys in the furnace room. I had 12 junior high boys. I'd never taught junior high boys. And I'd certainly never had a class in the furnace room with two big furnaces and no windows. And junior high boys, oh, they love Sunday school. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to get there. Wow. Whoa, man, my prayer life got better. You know, God is going to call us to places that test us. 
But the blessing is you get to see him do some miracles. Abraham got to see, wow, look, here it is. Just the very last second God provided. And then we go on. Verse 14, so Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is to this day in the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord, probably a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, because of that blessing I will bless you and multiply and I will multiply you and your descendants as the stars of heaven. And as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies, in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Could I paraphrase that? Because you have obeyed my call to service. So Abraham returned to his young men. They arose and went together back home. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10. I know there's a lot of uh, error taught based on some of the Old Testament promises to God's people, but the principles of God never change. And one of those principles is God calls us to sacrifice, and when we make a sacrifice, he intervenes and takes care of our life. Mark 10, verse 28. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Peter said, We are fully committed. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Hey, that is a promise right to us, fellow believer. Now, I want to clarify again, because we're talking about stewardship and giving and so on. If you put ten bucks in the plate, does God have to drop a hundred in your lap on the way out the door, like some of our television folks tell you? No, that is not a promise of God. But what does God say he will do? He says, look, if you sacrifice... For my sake and the gospel. You could paraphrase that, the ministry of Christ in the world today. If God puts a burden on your heart, if God shows you something in your life, and he says, look, will you please sacrifice this for me? Whether it's putting money in the plate or time into the Sunday school room or effort or, or maybe a career change or, or who knows what it might be. He says, if you do that, for my sake and the gospel, I'll make it up to you. Now, he also says, with persecutions. What is he telling you there, Christian? Just because he's going to make it up to you doesn't mean that it's going to be an absolutely easy path. But he says, not only will there be persecutions, but eternal life. He said, look, Christian, I am going to ask you to make some sacrifices, but I'm going to take care of you. What are some of the sacrifices that are hardest to make? I think some of the hardest sacrifices to make are acts of righteousness. When you see God's word clearly and he says, do this, you think, oh man, 
If I do that, oh. God says, look, if you sacrifice for me, I'll take care of you. It's hard to get in the habit of giving regularly. Hey, just because I was a pastor doesn't mean I always gave regularly and faithfully to the Lord. I struggled with it when I was trying to get in the habit of righteousness also. But I can honestly say that since I have been in that habit, God always makes this promise true. I discovered this promise shortly after I fully committed myself to the Lord, and he said, I want you to be a pastor. And I looked at that, and I said, hey, man, that's a great promise. I'm going to be okay. There are other promises of God, like in 2 Corinthians 9, when he says, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. But you know what the tough part is? You've got to put it in first. That's the faith issue. God didn't tell Abraham how it was going to turn out. He just called him to sacrifice. He says, do it, Abraham. Abraham said, okay, God's going to work it out somehow, some way. You've got to give first. You've got to serve first. You've got to sacrifice first. And God says, I will make it okay for you. I will take care of you. Malachi 3, he says, try me in this. Talking about giving to those folks, he said, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so big you can't contain it. Wow. The godly life is an exciting life, but it requires some challenges, requires some sacrifices. The blessing of God is given to those who fully trust in him. We often pray for the blessing of God. Could I challenge you with a thought? Maybe we need to not pray for it so much as just flat out start obeying and then expecting his blessing. Heavenly Father, thank you for wanting us to be fully committed. Father, we struggle with that. We struggle with it every day. We struggle with it in small things. We struggle with it in large things. Help us to pass your tests today. Help us to see your calls to sacrifice. And help us to accept. And Father, as we do that, we just need you to show us the miracles on the other side so that our faith can grow and be enlarged like Abraham's. Thank you for all of your care for us. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to Hope for Life, the broadcast teaching ministry of the First Baptist Church of Ferndale, Washington. You can learn more about our ministry on the internet at www.ferndalebaptist.com or you can contact us by mail at First Baptist Church, P.O. Box 69, Ferndale, Washington, 98248. Telephone 360 384 we invite you to join us for worship Sunday mornings at 1045 a.m. Our prayer is that God's word will give you hope for life.